Why are the Decepticons doing whatever the fuck they're doing? To get Energon, bitch. Mm-hmm. Get Energon or die trying. Hey, fatheads, get in the boot. Y'all might listen to the two fat dudes. Come on. D-list internet celebs, the top of the crop. Always slinging you the news with them nerd cred chops. Now listen up and listen well. The two fat dudes is coming, anyone can tell. Dukes digression, princes of pods, they'll rock your socks, they just can't stop. The two fat dudes are coming your way. The two fat dudes are coming your way. The two fat dudes are coming your way. TFD Nerdcast 568 is about to fall in your lap. Or on your plate. (laughs) Give me some on that one. There we go. But either way, we hope that you will be delighted because it's about to go down. As only the TFD can bring it to you, the two fat dudes, the masters of the TFD nerdcast. The Dukes of Digression. It's your boy, Zach. And I'm Chad. You know who it is. And ain't nothing to it but to do it this week, folks. So we are not playing around. We are jumping right into episode 568. Let's see if we can make it great. Oh, yes. Alrighty. First things first. We got to let you know who supports the TFD Nerdcast. Who would that be? Well, nobody can support us quite like us. And that's why we do that at tfdnerdcast.threadless.com. Oh, what can you get there? Well, you can get just about any TFD Nerdcast thing you please, good sir. You could get mugs. You could get t-shirts. You could get shower curtains. You could get duvets. I know that's your personal favorite, oh, Zach. Yeah, that's tiny right. French blanket. Who doesn't love a tiny French blanket? And who wouldn't love one even more with one of our delightful TFD Nerdcast logos on it? Indeed. And you could get all that and more at tfdnerdcast.threadless.com. Go there, buy our wares. Now let's let's do the damn thing. Here's the fucking updates. There has been lots of speculation concerning actors from the DC Snyderverse films who would be staying around to reprise their roles. We've talked about it plenty. Oh, yeah. According to Variety, we can fully put that thought to bed. They say that James Gunn's DCU will be fully cutting ties with those renditions of the characters. However, that doesn't mean we won't see the actors popping up again. For instance, Variety also notes that Jason Momoa is currently in talks to play the role of Lobo for the DC Universe reboot, which is a rumor that's been floating around for quite a while, but I saw an interview where Momoa kind of like wink-wink, nudge-nudged when someone kind of questioned him about it, but Mm. he couldn't directly, you know, say Mm -hmm. kind of thing. (laughs) I think he said something like, well, I mean, you know, I, I am a comic book fan and I do have every one of his comics. And they just kind of left it at that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, odds are odds are very good that uh, also that this removes Ezra Miller from the role of the Flash, which I think we can all agree is for the best. Uh, something that I neglected to put in the notes is that the only characters that are sticking around are the characters from um, Peacemaker as well as Blue Beetle. Uh, that, that dude, Solo Marduena, I believe is his name. Sholo Marduena, I think that's I, I 
Can't uh, remember it well enough to correct you, so we're going to go with that. Yeah, he's going to also be sticking around. Well, that makes sense, because Gunn has been in from those properties from the beginning, and nobody yeah. in this podcast area wants to wreck anything that has to do with anything with Peacemaker. No, or Blue Beetle, for that matter. <laughs> I mean, we were pretty happy with that, happy too. With that yes, too. yes, But definitely sure. Peacemaker. Yeah, Peacemaker is yeah. high on our list. We, we want that uh, to not be fucked with, except in good ways. Indeed. But can we talk about Mr. Momoa as the main man for a fucking second? It's it's kind of perfect. It's kind of sort of absolutely perfect. He's the right bastitch for the role. <laughs> Episode, Episode title? title. <laughs> the right, the right bastitch, bastitch for the role. That's yep. Oh yeah. That's a winner right there, fella. You win the pony. Yes. Yes. Uh, oh, real sad news though. Uh half of the duo created Lobo, Keith Giffen, just passed away. Which is super sad. That is super I hadn't yeah. even heard. Wow. Yep, just happened. Just happened like right before New York Comic Con. Damn. Bummer. Yeah. But uh Momoa would be the the guy who could do his work justice. Indeed. I mean, I mean, come on, like he's kind of he's he literally is <laughs> like Hawaiian uh, Lobo, basically. Consider the way that he played Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Okay, the way that he played Aquaman isn't really like too far removed from how you would want somebody to play Lobo. It was actually way less Aquaman and more Lobo. Well, you said it. I didn't want to insult the man, but yeah, I'm not. I don't mean it as an insult. I loved his Aquaman, but well, we're both on record as that being a positive as well. But I would much rather see him as Lobo uh, than than pretty much any damn character I can think of. Yeah, I think this is a great move. I think. It's and a do you remember? It, it seems like forever ago, but do you remember? At one point, there was a rumor about him being uh, the Crow. Oh, it, somebody... it wasn't a rumor. That was that was real. He oh. was attached, and the, and there was test footage. That's and yeah. we saw that, and, and it was legit. Remember the the face paint mm-hmm. and everything. Now imagine that just a little different, and oh, that's yeah. that's Lobo. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Like that would that's perfect. Slap some spiked bracelets on his hand on it's, his wrists. It's almost too easy. It is, and I mean, if he is that big of a fan of the character, as you said in that quote, then. This this is a win thrice over. Hell yeah. There's there's a no downside here. Just put the man on the fucking bike, put the face paint on and and make sure he grows his hair out. Press go. Indeed. Time for Ricky Timbo to do the damn thing. Ricky, do the damn thing. Ricky, do the damn thing. And now Get ready for your weekly dose of the nerd news with the two bad dudes. In the news this week, folks, it looks like Marvel has signed Borat himself. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen officially for a role in the MCU. According to copyright filings, he's set to play a mystery man in the upcoming Ironheart series. Of course, the internet is certain that this mystery man will wind up actually being Mephisto, Marvel's version of the devil, essentially, if you're not familiar. 
uh, which is a rumor we've discussed before, but it remains to be seen. I mean, we, we've discussed on the show before that Cohen would be a perfect Mephisto. It's hard to argue with. It's like he's not someone I'm any particular fan of. I never really have been. But at the same time, when a casting is right, a casting is right. And he mm-hmm. could he could totally work that role. Hell yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. I, that one's just hard to argue with. I, I guess maybe just for the sake of a little bit of conversation here. If it's not Mephisto or Mephisto, because the pronunciation is one of those things. But if he's not him... Who the fuck is he? I don't know. Like, there is nobody else that really fits him, right? (laughs) What if he wound up somehow being Dr. Doom? Actually, that could work. Maybe. He's good with mannerisms and stuff like that, and you would need a lot of really big mannerisms to be Doom. The other guy that comes to mind for me would be Arcade, but we're not anywhere yeah, near we're not Arcade anywhere yet. Near that. Yeah. So that that ain't it. You're, yeah, they, we're talking like twenty. He'd be 25. good for that though. He would. He would. That's not a bad. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll be <coughs> curious to see what happens. I know that like some people, like the the article that I pulled this from, um, was taught was trying to use that as an editorial piece to explain how he was going to wind up replacing Kang, and I'm just like, there's like. You, that's just all hypothesis. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't. I, I'm not convinced yet that they will replace Kang. If anything, they might just pull a pull a Rhodes, pull a Rhodey, and just replace the actor. I keep seeing all this hubbub about how they they replaced Kang. I keep seeing it in all this clickbait bullshit, it's, and that's but, exactly what it is. But I have yet to see any like hard evidence that that majors is all the way out he's because he's not yeah. he's not yet yeah so you know still still in question as far as we know but anyway that's that's not the point of this little bit of news the point is sasha baron cohen even though he's not somebody i like zach and i agree he's kind of perfect for mephisto indeed no argument speaking of the mcu Daredevil Born Again is getting a huge overhaul. Reportedly, during the WGA strike, our guy Faggy and uh, and company took time to watch the episodes of the show that had already been filmed and felt the show was just not working. It was intended to be set up like more of a procedural law program, mostly following Matt Murdock in his exploits exploits excuse me as an attorney supposedly the time uh we see him in the daredevil costume is episode four it's the only time the only time yeah so the showrunner and directors have all been let go and the intention the intention is to bring on new people and remake the show leaning more towards what worked for the netflix daredevil uh, no one new has been hired at this point, but this does not bode well for Daredevil Born Again. Something else that I, I read about, but I haven't been able to confirm, so maybe I'm wrong, but I've heard this on a, a couple different places, is that the, these MCU shows have been fucking flying by the skin of their teeth, like coming up with shit as they're doing it. Like they, they weren't following the typical like showrunner writer's room kind of thing. They were basically like 
coming in with like a general idea and then having writers put it down and then filming it and and just kind of going piecemeal piece by piece which if you think about the way that a lot of these shows have kind of worked makes sense because i think i said when we did our she-hulk review that that final episode to me felt so disjointed and like didn't work like mm. and that makes me wonder if it's because like just at the last minute they were like hey let's just redo the entire finale let's okay let's do this how about we do that and uh, apparently because of the way that people have been like because of the way that people have been reacting to some of the programs they are considering like making the switch and and having people who are dedicated to tv alone and actually having showrunners and having like show bibles you know where it's like you know you put together like a bible for the program and for the characters ahead of time yeah and stuff like that and actually running it like a television show basically i could see your argument for either approach to tell you the truth both uh both of them have good and bad sides to them sometimes i think improvisational efforts are simply a little bit better for uh comedic timing and things like that just because for comedic timing you know yeah but not for the basis of an entire like 12 episode show. and that is the part yeah. i was gonna get to <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah that's the thing is that for a show like this maybe that type of writing is not the best and maybe this overhaul will save us all from what would have been a otherwise disappointing daredevil effort. Because Could I you tell imagine? you this, look, listen, nobody involved in this equation from the, uh, from Mr. Feige and his team himself uh, to, you know, fans like us, nobody wants them to fuck up Charlie Cox's daredevil. Hell no. Nobody. Anybody who does want that is just a horrible, horrible hater, and we don't want you listening to our show. You can just hang up right now, bitch. Yeah, hang up your pod phone. Whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. You know, hit click, hit stop. I don't care. That's right. You heard me. Go listen to, <laughs> I don't know. Somebody else who hates daredevil? Maybe Joe Rogan, then. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a thing he might do. Yeah, I could see him hating Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny skit in my head just now. <laughs> Joe Rogan hating Joe Daredevil. Rogan hates Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, I'm imagining it. It's funny. But yeah, um, fingers crossed that they get this fixed and that Daredevil Born Again gets gets completed and is good. Yeah, the fact that they're at least paying this much attention to it, I think, is a positive. Yeah. You know. Even, it, if, even if it took a big-ass strike for them to really pay that much attention. What sucks is when stuff like this starts to come out, it poisons people's feelings towards stuff. And so even if they do manage to fix it, there is going to be a sect of audience who is, already, who is just going in prepared to hate it and yeah. will hate it because they heard about this. Or people who will just check out entirely because of stuff like this. Or that, yeah. That could be a problem. Yeah, exactly. On other Marvel fronts, the Ultimate Universe is returning to comics after a long stint of being dormant. Well, a Ultimate Universe, anyway. Uh, on the tale of the storyline Ultimate Invasion, which saw the return of the evil Ultimate Reed Richards, known as the Maker. Great fucking character. Great fucking character. <laughs> this new Ultimate Universe is poised to get its own set of titles starting with Ultimate Universe number one, 
from Jonathan Hickman. Hickman is like the he's the blueprinter. He's like in charge of this entire thing. Indeed, the architect. Yep. All right. He is totally the architect. Like that is him in comics in general. That's like, fair. The dude like blueprints everything down to a T of what he wants and then he writes it. It's crazy. Early next year, then, we'll be getting a handful of titles broadening the scope of this new Marvel Ultimate Universe. Tell us more. Tell us more. Well, we'll be getting an Ultimate Spider-Man. Now, like, it's not Miles Morales, because, again, this is a new Marvel Ultimate Universe. This one's going to be from Jonathan Hickman, as well as acclaimed artist Marco Cicchetto, uh, who did Daredevil previously. And um, talking about this one, Hickman specifically said... Ultimate Spider-Man is a book I never thought I'd be writing. It's a bit of a Peter B. Parker situation. And that's all that we know about it so far. That tells us nothing. (laughs) No. But, I mean, Peter B. Parker, the beloved, you know, into the Spider-Verse. Oh, well, yeah. That tells me. it does tell us that. That kind of tells me that this is going to be an older Peter who's kind of, you know, down on his luck kind of thing. Which I think is a... I, I would prefer that, honestly, over a new origin with a young kid, Peter. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Uh, also, we got an Ultimate Black Panther coming. And this one is going to be from Brian Hill, who has done Blade recently, as well as Stefano Caselli from the Avengers. Nice. Um, this one's interesting. So, in the wake of Ultimate Invasion, Khonshu and Ra, the force together known as Moon Knight, are seeking to expand their brutal control of the continent of Africa in response, the lone bulwark against them, the isolation nation, the isolated nation of Wakanda, will send forth its champion, a king, the Black Panther. So, Moon Knight is a bad guy and is apparently a blend of Khonshu and Ra, like almost like a, a fire, not not a fire star. What's a what's his name? The guy that's two people and comes together from Firestorm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I kind of like Moon Knight as the as the villain. I think that's an interesting idea. Yeah. yeah. And the uh cover of Ultimate Black Panther looks pretty badass. It's a pretty sweet-looking design for for Black Panther. It's yeah. interesting to have the mouth open cuz you never get that with Black Panther. Yeah, that's rare that you get that yeah. with most superheroes, and but This yeah. is the wildest one I think is Ultimate X-Men. Oh boy. Because it is from Peach Momoko, which shocked me do you want to read this thing chad sure uh as you were just mentioning visionary creator peach momoko reinvents mutant kind for the ultimate age in japan when a young student named hisako ichiki develops armor powers she discovers she's a mutant and she's not the only one meet a new generation of mutants filled with original and familiar x-men characters Together, they'll learn what it means to be mutant in the Ultimate Universe as they explore their emerging powers and the startling ways they connect to folklore, legend, and magic. It's This is... like I'm surprised, because I, I love Peach Momoko's stuff, but most of the time, I've noticed that Marvel keeps her in her own little thing. Like, they call it, like, the Momoko-verse. Like, she gets to do, like, her own thing. Yeah. You know? Because she has such a unique style of art and unique style of storytelling. So it's wild to me that they are going to put her on a prominent title for the relaunch of the Ultimate Universe. What's wild to me is the idea of 
starting any X-Men team with armor. Yeah. That's an interesting choice. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, not not one that I'm arguing with. I just think it's an interesting voice. Was armor always choice. Japanese? Or is this a new character with the same powers? I'm, I can't remember what armor's actual name was in the comics. I'm trying to remember it as well, and I cannot. That's, but, that's a tough one for me right now. Yeah. Brain can't access newer <laughs> X-Men that way. You know, because you didn't have the cards when to, to go over <laughs> that's, when you were a kid. Hilariously true. Yeah. Yes, that is that is how I memorized so many real names of Marvel characters, and armor came later, much later. So, yeah, that is yeah. why I can't remember that shit. So I, I like what Momoko has to say here, though. Like she's she's self aware, you know. She says, uh, I'm very honored to be part of the new Ultimate Universe. I am very careful in delivering the unique X-Men mutant elements while still being true to my vision and voice. I'm also very proud and surprised that I was given enough freedom by C.B. Zabolski, who's like the editor-in-chief at Marvel, yeah. and Jonathan Hickman to create a brand new X-Men character. It might not be the normal portrayal of a superhero, but just like with my Momokoverse stories, I am excited to introduce everyone to this new world. So yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Also, um, there is a new version of the Ultimates already, and it's an it's a pretty wild lineup. Have you heard the Ultimate lineup? I haven't actually. I heard that that there was going to be a new Ultimates, but I haven't heard the lineup. Yeah. So here's here's the lineup for the the Ultimates. We got Thor, we got Iron Lad, Tony Stark. Oh. We've got Captain America. We've got Sif, Lady Sif, and the and the one rounding it out. Can you tell who that is, Chad? It's Doctor Doom. It's Reed Richards. No, it is a Reed Richards like, but I I don't think there is a Doctor Doom in this world. But it's yet. Reed Richards in a Doombot suit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I don't I don't remember. Like I don't know what the story is behind it, but like Richards is like the Doom kind of. That's awesome. Yeah, because it's not the maker. It's this world's Reed. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's the Ultimates team. Like that's the opening salvo team i mean which, ultimate thor looks pretty much the same that feels familiar yeah that ultimate thor really harkens to like hemsworthy yeah. Thor. yeah yeah i think it's interesting that he's iron lad tony stark yeah that is So he must be a younger tony it must be a younger tony that would I, make sense i haven't actually read the ultimate invasion yet i have all the issues but you know how the comics that we love is like I'm only ever really able to read what I need to read for the show. Yeah. And so I have stacks of shit that, uh, that I haven't gotten to yet. But I'm excited to read this Ultimate Invasion and see what they do with this. I'm curious about it myself. That is a odd team. It is. Seeing Reed Richards on an Avengers team, but not as Reed Richards. But like I said, Morris, like, it literally looks like a blue Doombot. It yeah. That's that. That's what we got going on here. Funny ass choice. It is. It is. Uh, is it time to uh, intro our new watch along, there, Boyle? It is time for a watch along. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I'm ready to do some watching along. Loki season two. That it is. There's been some pretty big build up to season two of Loki. Season one. I think delivered for a lot of people, and in my opinion, uh, is probably one of the Marvel properties 
<laughs> that I would just, again, from my perspective, is one of the uh, Marvel properties that showed big success and a lot of fan support uh, before things kind of started turning and a lot of people started becoming a little extra hatery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, we got we got WandaVision and we got Loki before people started getting pissy. Yeah. 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 And honestly, Loki season one was a surprise for me. It it over it over uh achieved in my eyes because I remember thinking, why do we need a show about Loki? He's dead. Why do we need to bring Loki back? And I know we were both thinking, well the real reason we need a show about Loki is so Marvel has an excuse to put Tom Hiddleston on the screen some yep. more. I know that's what we were both mm-hmm. thinking. But to be fair, and we noted this before when we reviewed a lot of season one, they found a way to give that character depth in a way that I don't think either of us really anticipated. No, that, and that's that's why I'm saying like it overachieved in my eyes. Like it it did way more than I expected it could. So expectations for season uh, two pretty high, even though we try to make sure we don't set ourselves up for failure sometimes you can't help it yeah yeah so here we go here we go watch first along two, of season two of loki first two episodes ouroboros and breaking brad so let's start with ouroboros okay we come in and loki is basically in panic mode because yeah, we jump right in where we left off exactly which i thought was smart I yeah I liked that yeah I I liked that they didn't cut anything in between there and it was literally like this is the end of season one it is also the very beginning of season two yeah <laughs> like, I I like that approach agreed so it's like he shows up we're in he's running around in a panic trying to tell all the people in the TVA shit that they don't seem to know even though he's already experienced it with them mm-hmm. and thinks that they should know it only to find out. That guess what? He can't stick around long enough to really tell anybody the story because now he's randomly fucking time jumping. It's pretty wild. It's a really neat, it's a really neat opening episode, I think. And I, I liked the introduction of, of Ouroboros, the character played by Kihoi Kwan, who has been just on like a, a Cinderella story as of late, winning his Oscar for. I was gonna say, shouldn't you just say Oscar award winning Kihoi Kwan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The dude, yeah, dude. I mean, he was he was in American Born Chinese, which was a fun show on Disney Plus, and uh, he and he was he did everything everywhere all at once and was fantastic yep. in that. Now he's popping up here, and I'm I'm enjoying his character so far. I like him very much as Ouroboros. I think it's a character that uh, that really seems to fit him, uh, and I think they're poking a little bit at our '80s kids brains uh with some of the parallels that you could draw to data but i'm not gonna Um, i'm not gonna pick that apart i'm just gonna enjoy it (laughs) like booty twaps you you fucking said it (laughs) you fucking said it damn Oh, if if that line about the bass stitch wasn't already our our episode title (laughs) it could just be booty Uh, twaps booty twaps (laughs) but but no man listen it it fits like a glove. It does. It does. Mm-hmm. Him as that character, as as the guy who's uh, helping figure out all of the mysteries and you know try to do the nerd part of saving the day. 
And and I just have this I have a feeling there is a lot more to him than we realize. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I just got this I just get this vibe. Like he's a brand new character who seems to just be super important and yet we you know, we haven't really heard about him. I just feel like he's way more important than we actually realize. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I don't know what it is yet, but I just get that vibe from him. And it's interesting watching because, I mean, the TVA is just fucking bonkers right now with everything that happened from season one. And and there's kind of like a little civil war going on in there where yeah. half of them are going one way, the other half are going the other. And save ooh. the branches. Destroy the branches. Yeah. 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 It's it's been pretty wild. I, I episode one, I thought, did a really good job of setting the tone for what what's going to happen this season. I also really like the uh, character development of Hunter B-15, uh, played by Wunmi Masaku. Uh, I think I think she has done an exceptional job of actually showing that character progress all the yeah. way from, you know, completely Hard indoctrinated line. foot soldier to fuck I really have been doing things wrong, and now I gotta fix that shit. Yeah, and really feeling for like the billions of lives that could be snuffed out if you get rid of the branches. Yeah, I, re- I really, I've, I've really enjoyed not just the development of her character from season one, but the way that they've really kind of brought her to the forefront in, in the first couple episodes of season two. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm really happy that they that they stuck to that and that she's been doing really well with it. Um, I'm really interested to see what pops up with Renslayer moving forward because mm. we haven't seen her yet and uh but I think it was the second episode where they got a they got a blip from her what did they yeah. call it the, uh, temp, the tempad tempad yeah. yeah yeah so like I'll be curious to see what happens there with I, her I think we're going to find that out in the short term I think I think she's going to pop up maybe episode 3 because I think of that three. or we're at least going to get more hints as to what's going on with her Yeah yeah maybe it it could just be a like the the blip could be a red herring, make you think she's going to be in episode three, but really it's just them continuing to chase her ghost, basically. Could be. Could yeah. be. Uh, I'm a little bummed out that we haven't gotten really any of Miss Minutes because we basically got the storyline that, you know, she's bad candy. Yeah, and she's been shut. She's shut down right now. Yeah, because they're all they're having to do everything manually because normally she would do it. Yeah, but they and now but she everybody can't be is trusted. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's all hands on deck. Yeah, it makes me sad because you know it's Tara Strong and she's awesome. Exactly. But I'm sure we'll get at least a little more of her here down the road. She'll be back. Uh, an- another hunter I want to call out Hunter D ninety, as we uh, as we get a little bit to uh, episode uh, two with Breaking Brad. Oh no, that wasn't D ninety. That was like X fifty. I think. It was. Oh, was it? Yeah, I'm like, I'll I'll find him. I I'm pretty sure that that guy's name was X fifty. Oh. I'll, I'll look for him. But, okay, but I know who you mean. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, I'm talking about Brad because we're actually trying to to talk about episode two a little bit now, uh, where they track down one of the uh, hunters who's trying to catch Sophie because it takes forever for her to show up. That was a little annoying to me, but she shows <laughs> up right at the end, of episode one. And basically decides that, you know, she's going to exist in the 80s because why not? What a wonderful time. Work at McDonald's in the 80s. Probably when you could actually survive just working at McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that's what she does. And then eventually, uh, 
We need somebody to help us figure that out. And that's Brad. Yeah, Brad Wolf. Brad Wolf. I know know it was like X-50, but they just have him cast as Brad Wolf here. Yeah, that's right. Raphael Cassell. Okay, yeah. Hunter D-90 was the other dude who looks vaguely like him, and I got them mixed up. But yeah, uh, I, I really enjoyed the whole sequence of Mobius and Loki kind of piecing together exactly what they were going to have to do to track down Sylvie. Mm-hmm. And then the execution of it where they find Brad and it's like, okay, we found him. Do we know whether or not he knows we're us? Do we know which version of this guy this is? Da, 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 da. Is he like still secretly chasing Sylvie? Mm-hmm. Or like, is this a setup? Is he helping us as a setup? Yeah, yeah. And then the whole thing turns to a buddy cop movie. Uh, where the two cops are basically trying to shake down the dirt bag. Yeah. I enjoyed the chase sequence and how Loki, you know, like we got, you get Mobius like chasing him and stuff like that. And then you just see Loki just kind of walk up and zap him yeah. and just kind of, but then he winds up chasing him. But, uh, I thought that that was really fun how he catches him and uses like the shadow Lokis to hold him in place. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. Very, yeah. very Loki. Yeah, very incredibly Loki. I thought that was a good sequence as well. But then we get like the entire sequence that follows where they're basically trying to get the information out of him. That I thought was a lot of fun. Uh, A lot of uh, face to face good acting between Mm -hmm. the people in that room. Yeah, it's I, I I'm enjoying that. There are people who are having like a crisis of faith in the TVA, which would be X-50 Brad Wolf, because he goes and finds himself on the sacred timeline and becomes a movie star. So he's really not trying to get involved in shit. He's just like, no, I love this. I want to live this life that was taken from me. He's basically Cypher, only he successfully got out of the Matrix. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what's going on with Brad Wolf. Yep. Yep. Why the fuck would you want to go back? But it's what's great is you've also got this dichotomy with Mobius, who is like, I don't even want to know what the life I could have had was because I'm happy here and I don't want that jingling around in my head for the rest of my life, which I think is interesting, like seeing those two characters and how diametrically opposed they are with the same information. I think... Agreed. First, like, great point. Thank you for bringing that up, because totally, I think that's an interesting study on how two people could approach the same situation so differently. Yeah. Because Brad, he wanted to know. It was going to kill him if he didn't know. And I totally think that's me. I don't, like, I if there's no way I couldn't not know mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying but at the same time i get a hundred percent of what mobius is saying because he thinks what he does is important yeah and if he goes back and finds that he has people who love him and god willing a jet ski <laughs> Then he ain't coming back. And he thinks his work is too important for him to not come back. So he's either the most noble motherfucker that you've ever encountered or he's the most naive. 
Well, and that is just a great kind of character. Yeah. I mean, and he's he's up front. He's, you know, it's like, this is the life that I've always known. So literally, like, this is me. Like, this is who I am. Whoever that is, isn't really me anymore. You know, it never yeah. really was in my mind. It's It's an interesting... It's an interesting character study. It is, because on one hand, you can totally understand his feelings on the matter. But on the other hand, if you stand outside and look at it like it's the contents of a box, it's like, dude, wise up. You've been completely indoctrinated. Like, take control, Mm -hmm. you know? But then at the same time, continuing to do what he's been doing, in his mind, is taking control. Yeah. What like, a mindfuck. Like, because, are we reading into this too much? No, I don't think so. We're not insane, right? Like, no, <laughs> because at this at this point, with the TVA having kind of shattered the way it has, it is his decision now. Yeah. You know, like, it is no longer a, he's no longer being forced to this. This is what he wants. Because yeah. he could leave. But he also recognizes there's a lot that is riding on him being there. Yeah. So then they go and find Sylvie. Yep. Working Mickey D's. <laughs> she don't want nothing to do with this. I think that that's exactly the way they needed to play her. Like, she's she was out, and she don't want back in. Because that's all yeah. she's wanted. No, she's she's on Camp Brad. Yeah. And and I get it. I, get, I mean, come on. Consider, you know, she's not going back to, you know, life working with the TVA. That's not what she would be doing. She'd be no. going back to life on the run. Yep. Because no. she wants nothing to do with the TVA. Listen, man, if you lived that much of your life on the run and then finally got a chance to stop, you're going to die before you run again. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously. I, I think I think that is how most people would feel about it, and I think that is a hundred percent how she's gonna approach that shit. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally agree. Ooh, another thing that we didn't talk about since we were talking about Brad was his back and forth with Loki, which I thought was super intense. When Loki like they're trying to get information out of Brad and Loki's like, A lot of people are gonna die if you don't help us. Yeah. And and Brad's just like you of all people, you know, basically, and, and like lays it out on Loki. Like you, you think that this is going to make up for all the terrible things you've done, all the people that you let die, including your mom and stuff. Like, oof, that was an intense little bit. Whenever anybody throws Renee Russo at him, I just know he's going to do some shit. <laughs> and he sure does. I, you know, I, it's like the one button you can always count on pressing. If if you there's do very that, few things that get to Loki. He but he will react to that. Yeah, every time because like he he truly loved his mama. Mm-hmm. Like you know, which I think is one of those things that is just a great like little character point. You know, like I mean, there there's no in my mind there are few ways to better humanize any kind of character than by uh noting their relationship with with their mother. Yep, loving yeah. their mama. Yeah, that's it works. It's effective. I can't argue with it. It 
makes Loki basically do whatever you want him to do in moments that he's not supposed to do it. So it's also a great writing tool. <laughs> like, but that that whole scene you're talking about where, you know, he puts Brad in a box, quite literally. Quite literally. That, that I thought, was one of those uh, instances I was uh, talking about where it was just great acting in a small room by... Well, technically, two people in the room, yeah. and and Owen Wilson just outside of it. Wow! But but amazing sequence, and it was one of those things where you know they needed so little to do it. Like, yes, obviously, you needed the prop of Brad the, in the box, the CGI box. But, but yeah. that prop could have been any kind of life threatening thing. Yeah, you it know, was, it was about the the way that the two actors approached it. Yeah, and you could see the fear in in Raphael Casal's eyes when the box gets smaller, and his whole and Loki's whole thing of you know, no, you're right, I am a villain, you know, so why wouldn't I just crush you right now in this box? If you don't give me what I want. Yeah. It felt like one of those really good moments where you have a duo that you already know works. And then you introduce a third character and it just like for some reason immediately clicks. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's like, worked like when you had Pesci join the the um, lethal weapon, lethal weapon guys. Yes, yeah, exactly. You know, but Leo wants Leo gets <laughs> Brad. Brad was like our Pesci. He kind of is the Pesci. <laughs> yeah, that shit works. Yeah, it does. That shit works, man. So what do you think overall so far? So far, I have little to complain about, dude. I, I think so far what we've gotten has been pretty well written, pretty well delivered, well acted by pretty much any party I can think of. Shout out to Eugene Cordero as Casey because we didn't even He's really fun. get to mention him. But he is super fun. Yeah. Um I mean, it's it's one of those things where I really don't have anything to complain about. I am really just kind of waiting to see where it goes. Like my real judgment on this season probably won't come until we get closer to the end because at this point I'm enjoying what I'm getting and I really can't wait to see episode three. As long as they can keep up the, that the level of quality that the first two episodes has had and the level of character and you know, all that, as long as they can keep that up, I think I'm going to be satisfied. Like even if they don't surpass that, I think yeah. it will still be a solid season. Yeah. You they know. they got to sustain it. You're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So far, so good. Like, yeah. so far, I think we are somewhere between a B plus and an A minus. Yeah. You know? And we haven't even gotten the introduction of, uh, what's his face? Victor Timely. Yeah. So, yeah, like, you know, Future Kang hasn't even shown up yet. So, who knows what's going to happen when that shit goes down. Big things is what's yeah. going to happen. So, we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited for it, man. I really am. I, I think that uh, so far, so good, like I said. So far, so good. Yeah. I think that is the perfect way to explain it. Yeah. Well, we wrapped this bitch up real clean and concise. Because we were all like, so far, so good. So far, so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's the first two episodes, you know. You can't, you can only wrap up so much. When... I mean, the show. Oh. Oh. <laughs> We're pretty oh. clean and concise. Oh, well, yeah, right on. I guess we didn't fuck around. We did not fuck around. Yeah. Do you want to 
do a quick grain of salt or should we just wrap mm. them up? Let's just wrap it up. Okay. Because I got a I got a fiance who I promised I'd call four minutes ago. Oh, shit. All right. Well, yeah, then we're going <laughs> to wrap it the fuck up. All right, guy. First things first, hit us up on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Couple it with a user review and get a shout out sometime. Head on over to Facebook. Like us there. And then everything we do will come to your news feed. You could also hit us up on X. At TFD Nerdcast, at One Angry Fat Dude, and at Z underscore Irish underscore Red. All of those tags are also available on Instagram if that's more your jam. You can also catch Zach's other podcasting efforts there at the comics that we love, featuring the podcast of the same name. That's right. The comics that we love also available now on Blue Sky. It's one, it's one of the companies that is like trying to take over where Twitter sucks. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I got right. But you have to be invited to it. So my buddy Tessa gave me an invite. Shout out to Tessa. Nice. Yeah. If you don't want to download the show, you could just stream that bitch using Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer. Oh, wait, no Stitcher. I no. always do that. We, we do it Stitcher for years. Stitcher was so embedded. I mean, Stitcher was with us for 500 episodes. Yeah. You know, what do you Ghana. Yeah. Deezer, all them. Pick your motherfucking podcatcher. Basically, basically, yeah, yeah. What's another place they could pick? That would be twofatdudes.podomatic.com, where the fat first grew. Because clicks matter, and you should give us your clicks. That's right. And last but not least, for the mousy little fucks in the audience, you don't like social media, you don't like people seeing what you have to say, but you do. When I reach out to the TFD to the two fat dudes, you could do so privately at our very public email address, which of course is two fat dudes at hotmail.com. Chad, how do they spell that? T O O F A T D U D E Z. Clap if you love Zachary. <laughs> <laughs>